Most people think that they are choosing between the good and the bad. In reality, they are choosing between being mediocre and becoming truly great. Welcome to the Next Action Podcast with your host, Brian Wallace. In 15 minutes, we'll help our guests catapult from their current situation to a path of greatness. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So glad to have you here again. And boy, do we have something special and different for you. Check out today's guest, Kwame Christian Esquire. He is the director of the American Negotiation Institute, where he conducts negotiation and conflict management workshops around the country. Kwame is also the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Nobody Will Play With Me. How are you doing today, sir? I've been looking forward to having you on for a while now. I'm fantastic, Brian. Thank you for inviting me to the show. Hey, my pleasure. So I'm sure nobody that listens to the show ever needs to negotiate anything and there's no conflict in their lives, right? <laughs> uh, just from a business or personal perspective, I'm sure just on a daily basis, there's a ridiculous amount where everybody needs your help. So I'd love if you could explain a little bit more about what you do at the Negotiation Institute, because I think people probably sometimes have the wrong or ill-informed ideas about how this all works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my role as the director of the American Negotiation Institute includes um, going on the road to different companies, teaching the employees how they can make difficult conversations easier. So whether it's in a business negotiation where you're trying to get more for your company and get a better deal, or just a simple conflict that you're having with a colleague at work. Um, these are difficult conversations that are happening every day. And so what I try to do is give people the skills that they can use to get more of what they want, avoid things that they don't want, and improve the relationships with the people around them. I am just always fascinated about stuff like this, just how to read people, spotting liars, microtransactions, body language, all of these different things play into it. But let's dive a little deeper into everything about negotiation strategies, which I think is a really interesting thing that you've said. And I know before when we were talking, we talked about just the element of curiosity and asking better questions. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think when it comes to negotiating effectively, your ability to ask great questions is going to be your greatest skill in these conversations. Um, I like to talk about the light theory of negotiation. So if you were to imagine walking into a dark room and your goal is to try to get to the other side of the room, the first thing you're going to want to do is turn on the lights because you could run into something, hurt yourself. You could run into somebody else and hurt them. Um, there are lots of different barriers that can get in your way. And so when you take that metaphor and bring it to negotiation, uh, the equivalent of light in this metaphor is information. And negotiation is an information game. You want to try to get as much information before and during the conversation as possible. And you do that by asking questions during the negotiation and taking the time to prepare effectively before the negotiation. Yeah, I always wonder how people don't do their homework, right? Even if we're not even talking about a negotiation, although I almost think everything in life at some degree is a negotiation because you're not the other person. <laughs> so somehow you have to negotiate the distance between the two paths and the two people and the two deals or whatever the situation is. So even if you and I are in the same city and we want to meet for coffee and we've never met before, why would I not do a little homework about who you are, what your institute is, what your bio says on LinkedIn, just a simple Google search, any number of different things. So I think what you're saying very correctly is people waste their time 
just asking basic questions that they easily could have done on a, a very short search time, huh? Absolutely. And for me, it takes um, a little bit of time, but it also demonstrates respect to the other side. I care enough about you to do some research about you, to learn about you. And the beautiful thing, too, is that it, it feeds into the, the curiosity at the table, because now that you've done your research, you're better, better able to ask higher level questions and get better information at the negotiation table. So it, it serves multiple purposes, but it's, it's so obvious that I think people miss it sometimes. You're exactly right, and it shows respect. So it, moving a person closer to your point of view in the negotiation, if you show that respect, they're not going to tune you out because with a lot of people, unfortunately, it's almost like they're having a contest to just wait for the person, the other person to pause talking so they can just roll over the other guy, just continuing to talk. And two people just talking at each other is useless. One of the first things I know when we're interviewing people within our organization, I don't just say, how do you find us or tell me about yourself or whatever boring Google interview questions. But I say, hey, with all the jobs out there in the world, why did you bother to apply here? What makes us special? What do you care about us? And what do you know about us? And people who can't ask that question, answer that question rather, I know are immediately not a fit because that shows inattentiveness. And why should I even let them in the door? Because they'll just sit there and play games on the computer all day as opposed to doing work because they already tipped their hand. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just, it's mind numbing, right? Like how little people think about it. So what would you say is a great lead off question after you've done your homework about an organization? I know that's kind of open-ended, but what would you think is, if you were leaving the listeners with what are good questions, where is a good place to start after you've done the homework? Well, I'll, I'll play off exactly what you did right there because it was a great question. It was an open-ended question, yes. and that is going to be your, your best tool in these negotiations. So what we're going to do is focus on questions that start with who, what, where, when, why, and how. And um, per, what we would want to try to do is avoid questions that start with why as much as possible because um, questions that start with a why are often associated with judgment. So you think about as a child, if you spill something um, inexplicably, one of the things that your parent is going to ask is, why did you do this? <laughs> why? When you're a teenager, when you do something ridiculous, it's why. And so that word, why, has always been associated with judgment. So what you want to try to do is ask those same questions, but start it off with what or how. So you avoid that judgmental uh, type of sound with it. Hmm. So asking open-ended questions. And then sometimes if you're in a situation where it's, you're struggling to come up with an open-ended question, uh, what I use are open-ended statements. So statements that start with, tell me more about this or help me to understand that. They're not questions in a traditional sense, but they're still requests for information. And what we're trying to do is get a narrative response that requires the other side to elaborate on what they're saying. So again, this, this is what we're doing to gather as much information as possible. I love it, man. Can you just come with me to every conversation I have ever? <laughs> people so desperately need this skill set. I don't even understand what people are doing when they're not mindful of this art of negotiation. It doesn't mean you have to be a salesperson or anything like that. If you're just trying to get a job, you'll get a better job at the same job. Or if you're already in the job and you're trying to negotiate it, if you are a business owner, there's so many scenarios where this comes into play. So, hmm, 
could you tell us a little bit and you don't have obviously have to name all the actors and everything like that but what was your favorite element of a negotiation ever i know that's not as open-ended but there's enough wiggle room in there i know you can do it are you, are you talking about uh like on the big screen or just in in my personal life i think either of those would be interesting yeah i think i, I so i mediate as well and the reason i like to right. mediate is because um it puts me in the middle of a conflict so i get to see both sides of the situation understand the interest and see what it would take to get both people together um in one of the mediations i was doing uh, a woman was very frustrated with the situation but she was stoic uh she wasn't displaying any in any uh, emotion and she wasn't releasing very much information um and so one of the things that people often miss in these negotiations is the fact that you need to wrestle with the emotional issues that are at play. Um, we rush too quickly to the substance and try to make rational arguments when somebody isn't in a cognitive state where they're ready to receive it. You need to address the emotions up front. And so with her, she wasn't willing to, to make that move and address the emotions. And so I used the technique that's very complex and very high level called guessing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're not going to tell me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to personalize it. So you don't need to take the step and say, I feel this way. I'm going to say it for myself and I'm going to guess the emotion that you're feeling. And so I said, well, if I were in your position right now, given everything that happened to you, I would feel really frustrated. And so she got quiet and she looked at me and she said, Kwame, I'm not, I'm not frustrated. I'm angry and I am angry for these reasons. And then it was just a deluge of information, the information that she was withholding the whole time. Um, once I took the time to label the emotion, she was willing to share. And it shows two things. First of all, um, when you acknowledge the emotion, it starts to move people forward in the, in the conversation. It's a barrier that needs to be addressed. The second thing is sometimes if they're not willing to lab label the emotion themselves, if you guess, it serves two great purposes. Either you guess and they're co it's correct and then they, it's easier for them to say, yeah, you're right. Or you guess and it's wrong and people hate being mislabeled. <laughs> so they'll correct you. So either way, the emotion gets labeled with that technique. That's outstanding, man. Yeah, I think that when it comes to negotiation, mediation, things like game theory and the prisoner's dilemma, any kind of negotiation between two parties, I think a lot of stuff that's overlooked in that regard is that people have to understand that both sides are rational. So if people are stewing with emotion and they aren't letting it out like this lady was, you're not going to get anywhere. So uh, major props for that to really kind of tip the hat. And like you said, nobody likes to be mislabeled. So that, that was super smart. I also love um, in doing things like that. I'll try to get people to not say, and I'm talking about like in, let's say an interview perspective, to not just say the normal prepared things that they spent all this time Googling and looking in the mirror. So I always try to knock people off access or interrupt them or just act like an FBI interrogation unit or something. And they're like, what is going on here? I don't know. Uh. But the point is to throw them off to see what they're inclined to say when they're actually kind of thinking through it and not just giving me what I want to hear. And I love that you've dove headfirst really into the emotional barriers because everybody out there, right? If you're in technology, if you're in finance, if you're an accountant, whatever it is, everybody's always happy to go into their little safe space and just list off, here's the five bullet points that I'm good at. But that's not what moves the world. Emotion rules the day before you can ever hit anything substantive. 
And to say that emotion isn't substantive means you just exactly. don't understand how the world works, right? So I love that you focus on that. And yeah, just bottling it up, having an open mind, having an open body posture and all that. What, what can you, well, I don't want to do your job of this. What can you tell us more on that whole emotional state? How would one ready themselves, not for battle, but for mediation, for negotiation, and how to make everyone win, right? Which is what we're really trying to do. It has to start with self-awareness. Uh, before we can start effectively emo managing the emotions of other people, we need to first be able to manage the, our own emotions. And self-awareness is the first step in emotional intelligence. So what are we feeling? Why are we feeling this way? Um, what can I do to address the way that I'm feeling before the conversation? Is there something that I need or want to happen during the conversation in order for me to feel at ease emotionally? Um, and so you want to use these emotions as signals to to show you what's really important to you. They do have a utility when it comes to yourself. And then once you've gathered yourself and you're in a good emotional state to have the conversation, you're dealing with the other person's emotion. Because the majority of people don't have that level of self-awareness to acknowledge their own emotions and, and wrestle with it. So really at the beginning of conversations, honestly, you're, you're playing a role almost like a therapist. They most likely didn't go through the introspection necessary to address those emotional issues. So you walk through it with them to help them to alleviate it. And then once the emotional barrier has been addressed, now you can move into the substance. And so this helps people to understand how to sequence these difficult conversations, because sometimes we just jump to the substance and start making rational arguments at the beginning, but the person cannot hear you <laughs> when, when they're in that emotional state. Right. It's like as if the person is sitting there screaming, saying, I'm drowning. And you're like trying to have this conversation. It's like this person cannot hear anyone, mm -hmm. <laughs> let alone this carefully articulated argument. So listen, so in the minute or so we have left, uh, what are you looking out there for in the universe? And where can people find you out there? Because everyone needs you. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, great place to find me is LinkedIn. I'm always pretty active on there. Um, you can check out the American Negotiation Institute website as well. Um, if you're interested in uh, learning more about the workshops that we have coming up right now, I'm in San Francisco. I did a conflict management training at a tech company. I'm, I'm looking out to nice. the Bay right now, which is really cool. So it's, it's fun to be able to travel like this. Um, but yeah, and also a free gift for your listeners. And I'll send you the link afterwards, Brian. Um, it's a link to our negotiation guide. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, G-U-I-D-E, uh, you can get a free negotiation guide that will help you to prepare for your difficult conversations. Awesome. I actually like difficult conversations. I'm weird. I like argument. People think that argument's a bad thing, but argument is to harmonize things to a better outcome for all. So it looks like we're right about out of time here. Kwame, been a fantastic guest. Thank you again for making this such a wonderful show. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me.